We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Remember that you are not your job. You are a whole person. You are not your job. So develop yourself as a whole person. A leader is a role that you have, right? An educator is a role that we have, a facilitator, but develop yourself as a whole person. Find things that make you happy. Find things that bring you joy. Go outside your comfort box and develop yourself as a whole person. Do not limit what your contributions to this world are. Don't limit those to the funnel of education through the lens of education. Develop yourself as a whole person. Then you're going to influence more people than you even realize because you're focusing on yourself sometimes and you're modeling that. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Amy Matthews Perez is Texas born and raised. She is currently in her 30th year of serving public education in Texas, where Amy has served as a general ed teacher, an SLP, a diagnostician, a SPED specialist, and a director of special education. Amy has also worked in the private sector as an education coordinator at a JJAEP and in both home health and nursing home settings as an SLP. She currently serves as the Director of Special Programs, which includes SPED, 504, Dyslexia, MTSS, and being the liaison for students and families experiencing foster care and homelessness. Her passions are communication, laughter, inspiring, and empowering others. As a learner, she considers herself an experience expert. Life is short, but our influence is never-ending. So she seeks joy and creates smiles through learning, sharing, and highlighting the best in other people. I am really excited to have Amy on the show today. Just in talking pre-show, boy, she really lives out that idea of joy and experiencing things and trying new things. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, this is going to be, the pleasure's all mine. This is going to be a great conversation. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about, or I'll, I'll jump right in with, is I love the idea of your passions being communication, laughter, inspiring, and empowering others. Can you talk to us a little bit about that, how you came to discover that, or how that plays out and what you do every day? Well, I talk a lot, Chris. I've talked a lot since I was very, very young. I'm the youngest of six. We used to have to raise our hand to talk at the dinner table. 
And they always called on me last because they knew when I started, I was not going to stop. So I've always been a talker. Um, Maybe it's because I am the sixth child in the family. I'm not really sure. But I've also always been really quick-witted, which can be fun, but it can also be detrimental if you don't know how to hold your tongue. And I just have an ability to find the positive, not silver lining, you know, that hyper positivity. What do they call it nowadays? Toxic positivity. Yeah. But I have, uh, I, I say a blessing. I have the blessing to be able to see the positive and see the learning from every situation. And I just, I guess, have a weird sense of humor. I've had many, many people say, you know, Amy, you say what I'm thinking. So I guess there's an element of um, braveness there when it comes to communication. But uh, I just love to be happy. I love to laugh. I love to see people happy and laughing, even if it is about something silly. Even if it is about something silly, you've got to find the joy in every situation. And so, so that's what I do. I talk and I talk and I talk and I teach and I lead and I really, really empathize a lot. That's probably another one of my, um, what do you call a, something that's can be a blessing, but not a blessing. I can empathize probably to a point of fault. Like if someone cuts me off in traffic, I'm like, oh, they're just having a bad day. I mean, I can empathize. So that's, that's something else that I really do naturally without even thinking about it. But I'm really, really passionate about making sure that people are heard and making sure that people feel valued and that their contribution matters to the big picture because that's important to me. And so I know how it makes me feel when I feel affirmed and when I feel like my contributions are even just considered, it's important. And I want other people to feel that way because there's no way I have all the answers. So I need all the input, all the collaboration and contributions I can get. That's how we come up with the best answer, not necessarily the right, but the best to serve the whole picture. So I hope that answered your question. I'm not really sure. That did more than answer my question. That actually gave me quite a few other questions that I I definitely want to talk to you about. But one of the things I want to start with was the idea of in your in your line. And I love that you said you try to see the positive and learning in everything. Mm -hmm. And that just makes me think of that phrase that I I read in your bio piece there, that life is short, but our influence is never ending. How do leaders, so let's blow this up to a bigger picture, right? How do leaders get that across to those they lead? Or how do teachers get that across to students in their classroom? Because it's really easy to go down that slope of negative thinking. And that things are bad and things like that. But are there certain ways that you get that across to people and share that idea of always positive and always learning from everything? Well, I model it. And I know that in your, um, when you did the Teaching Champions podcast with Brian, that's one of the things you mentioned was modeling your expectations. I model positivity without even realizing I'm modeling positivity. I acknowledge the negative or the whatever they want to call it, scary worrisome. I acknowledge that, but then I put it in the context of a bigger picture. So for me, it's seeing a picture bigger than me, bigger than the team, bigger than the problem. And then how do all these pieces fit in to make it work out as best it can? Because there is no perfect, right? There is no perfect, but we're going to do our best and we have to do the best with what we know. Right. That, that's all we can score. That's better than a lot of people are willing to do. So I constantly and 
naturally highlight what's good and what's happening that's positive, even if it's not like love, hearts, flowers, or rainbows, even (laughs) if it's just progress. Like um, somebody called me pretty today. You know, they might've called me pretty annoying, but I'm going with the pretty, okay? (laughs) So I'm gonna filter everything with the couple of facts. One, everyone has positive intent, right? And two, the other filter is what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this? And then can I transfer that learning to other people? Can I model it? Can I share it out where people can maybe learn directly or maybe just learn by watching or listening? But it all circles back to the word that you used in your podcast with uh, Brian and that's model. Awesome. I, you know, and I think about that because that, that was the whole idea with toxic positivity, right? Everybody was kind of at their wits end. And they said that toxic positivity was the idea of being positive without acknowledging the negative. So I think it's really important that you, you mentioned how you do acknowledge it, but talking about that bigger picture a little more that you said, you know, you said something earlier that people are heard and valued. That's so important to make sure they're heard and valued. How do you help people know that they're valued? I mean, especially in your in your current roles, how do you help people know that they're valued in the bigger picture? That the little piece that they're contributing is attached to, to moving that forward? Well, th- there's a cycle in what I call my Amy brain. There's a cycle. Now, I don't follow the cycle, you know, step by step, but it's a general process. One, I've got to get to know them personally. I don't, I can't just know them as the job. I can't just know them as the work they do. I get to know them personally. And then once I get to know them personally, through those interactions, and maybe even direct questioning, I find out what they value, how they like to be addressed or given affirmations, what makes them tick, what makes them happy, what makes them glow, what makes them want to learn more. And I will tell you 99.9% of the time, it's listening. Listening to them with undivided attention. And it may just be five minutes, but it feels like they're the only person in the whole wide world. You're going to learn a lot from them. And then here's, here's where I think the magic happens. Once you know something, you have to do something with that knowledge. You have to do something. You can't just hold it in. You have to act on it. Because it does no good to learn that, you know, so-and-so's favorite drink is at Sonic, you know, water with strawberry, mango, and peach, easy ice. It does no good to know that unless you're going to act on that. Now, does that mean I need to go buy her that person a Sonic drink? No, but maybe I share that with someone that works with them all the time so they can get them a Sonic drink. But it's not just holding the knowledge in your brain and in your heart. You have to share it. You have to act on it. And then that person feels heard. And then they're more likely to say, oh, you heard me, you saw me. And so the next time I ask them a question or ask for their input, they're going to be more willing to share. So that's kind of the cycle that I go through. But everybody's important. Everybody has a contribution. Even those folks that are quiet, which is total opposite of me, but those introverts that people think, oh, they don't have anything to say. Yes, they do. You just have to get them in the right setting, get the right circumstances and the right context and they have a lot to contribute. And then Brian, the last thing I'll say in the answer to this question is I work really hard to be to have an open door. And what I mean by that is not necessarily a physically open door at my office, but I am open to learning. I am open-minded. 
the thing I kind of say is not, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I will. I tell people that I work with, I'll try anything as long as it's not illegal. If it's going to help kids, if it's going to help you, if it's going to help the staff, it's going to help the pro- the processes, the procedures. I'll try anything as long as it's not illegal. I'm in. Count me in. Sign me up. Let's try it. So I'm very passionate about trying new things because that's how we learn new things. So give me an idea. I'm also the first one to say I have lots of ideas. Matter of fact, I just told uh, staff this yesterday to training. I have tons of ideas. I'm an idea person. I'm a big picture person. I'm not a detail person. I have tons of ideas, but I have to get through about 50 bad ones to get to one so-so idea. But I'll give you ideas if you want ideas. Awesome. So your cycle, just to make sure that I've got this right, that I can repeat it back, is it's almost like three steps. You to you get to know them personally, and you gave us some ideas about knowing them personally and, and where to go from there. But that that boils down to listening. The second one is is so important is do something with that knowledge that you gain. And what I found interesting about you're you're talking about that is that even if you don't do it personally, find somebody that will which is going to kind of lead me to my next question about this. And then the third one is keep, an, keep your door open to learning and to new possibilities and, and attempting things. So those last two. And cy- I'm sorry to interrupt, but and no, cycle good. back to ask them for their input later. So don't just get to know and buy a sonic drink and that's it. Right. Go back to them right. and ask them for their input. And I will tell you a lot of times people say, oh, I don't know. I don't really know. I don't have an idea. I don't have a lot of experience in that. And my response is, exactly. That's why I want your input. You have an objective lens. Give me your ideas. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I want to know the good, the bad, the ugly. I want to know it all. Give me your input. And then when you act on their input, you acknowledge that to them and to everyone else in the way that they value. Don't, I mean, be sure you are respectful in that. But you have to go back, ask for their input, acknowledge their input. And when it's used... When it contributes, then you acknowledge them again. And then you've created that repetitious cycle. That's awesome. And don't worry about interrupting. I'm glad because that led us down a whole other thing. So the first step of your cycle is completely on the leader or the person trying to do it because that's, that's effort on their part. And the second part is almost as well, but then that starts to transfer that ownership piece. So how do you, if you do that and you give that information to somebody, How do you empower others to pick that up and run with it? Well, I tell them what I do. Mm -hmm. I say, hey, I met with Chris and this is this cool thing I learned about him. And I really think his input could help you with X, Y, Z or whatever that is. So I kind of model and and explain, this is what I got from that person. This is what I learned. And this is how I think he could help. So I'm trying to find the right words. I teach the other people or I inform the other people about the information I got and how it could be applied to our bigger picture as a team. So it's like I'm guiding them to find value in that person, but I'm kind of saving them the work, right? Because I've already said, hey, this is what I learned. Chris has some great ideas about this. You might want to touch base with, go touch base with him. I'll talk to you about suggestions in a minute that I learned. Oh, I got to get better at that. Go touch base with Chris about XYZ. And I know you'll be glad you did. So I kind of facilitate that connection by kind of doing the hard work for them, by the listening and the getting to know them. It kind of gives them a shortcut to connect because then they can go to you and say, hey, 
I spoke with Dr. Perez and she said that you have this awesome idea about whatever that is. And then they start rolling. Cool. And I, I really like what you said at the end where you were, when you circle back and you talk about their input and you get back in touch with them. But I, the thing I really like about that is you're explicitly showing them how their little piece mattered into the bigger picture. Even if their little piece, Chris, or their big piece is to tell me how I was wrong. I mean, I have a hole puncher. I have a person there <laughs> as it evolved, their job was to hold, put punch holes in every idea I had. So their contribution matters. I mean, she knows who she is when she listens to this. She knows who she is. She's my hole puncher. Because like I said, I'm going to have 50 ideas and they're all going to be horrible. And that's the person that's going to say, yeah, no. And I actually had, when I was a principal, um, <laughs> a person that I worked with, um, it took me a year or two to figure out her code. But when I had an idea that wasn't stellar, she was like, let me think about that. And then when we became closer, I realized that was code for, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got their code. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you, you talked about um, offering suggestions and things like that. How is it that, because I know I have a, I have a leadership team and I try to build the culture in that leadership team where we know when we sit in that room that it's not about me being right. It's not about a position being right. It's about coming to the, the right answer or the best answer. That's right. And sometimes that takes a little conflict, but it's, but it's healthy conflict. It's healthy disagreement and things like that. But it gets those suggestions out. And I mean, there's all kinds of different tools to do that where you do a brain right, to bring in your introverts, where you do an assumption storm, things like that. But how do you, are there any ways that you see working the best for leaders to pull those suggestions out? My way is probably not the best. So I'm going to tell you what I do, but I'm not going to say that anybody else should do it. But now see, I'm going to, your way may not, is your way the best for you? Then it's the best. It's the best for me. It might not be best for the people that are giving the suggestions. (laughs) Right. But, But it might be the best for somebody. So go ahead, let it rip. Okay. So what I do is I say, here's our blank slate. Let's just throw out ideas. No idea is a bad idea. And then I will give, I mean, they are authentically my ideas, but they're horrible. And then people are quick to say, yeah, that's crazy. Or no, I'm not doing that. But that starts the conversation. I mean, honestly, one time, maybe I'm not supposed to talk about when I was on jury duty, but I will. Or a friend of mine. As long as you don't give away any facts of the case, I think you're okay. Okay. So one time a friend of mine was on jury duty and they were having to deliberate. This person had been found guilty, yada, yada, yada. And everybody was just sitting around looking at each other. And my friend was like, you know, I got places to go, things to do, people to see. I say, we give him 20 years. And everyone on the jury looked at my friend and went, what? No. And there went the conversation. Within 20 minutes, the, the penalty was decided. So that's kind of the way I get suggestions. I give the most obviously horrible bad ideas. And then they can tell me, oh, that's not good. I said, well, let's talk about how we can improve on that or how can we change that? And then I'm really good at wait time, Chris. I'm really good at wait time. You and me both, I brag about how good I am at wait time. (laughs) Yes. Um, And then the other uh, thing that I have done in the past is I let them um, submit ideas in writing 
anonymously because that's how some people like to work. And that's fine. We just put them all in a basket or a bowl or an email and then I'll put them all out there and they can claim it or not claim it. It's up to them. And then we roll and we start to build on that. That's cool. And you, you know what? That's not, you say your way may not be the best way, but that's a really good way because I do that as well. I call it playing devil's advocate. And I'll just throw out an idea because I'm not married to my ideas. And I do, I have an idea of where I picked that up in life, but I'm, you know what? I'm not married to anything I put out there because I want the, the way that's going to work the best. So I have no problem writing something down saying, Hey, I think this, this, and this, but an important piece of that is you have to build a culture where people will say, instead of just going down with the ship and then pointing the finger at you later, they'll say, Oh, Amy, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to work well. Absolutely. You absolutely have to build that culture. And I'm just like you, I'm not married to my ideas. And I tell folks all the time, I'm not saying I know everything or my ideas are best. I'm just telling you, I got a lot of them. So let's work from there and come up with what's best for the big picture. And I think when it comes to team and culture, like you mentioned, I always go back to a mantra that I made up called we go, not ego. So I tell people, you got, you have got to leave your ego at the door. You got to check it because it's we go. We are the team. We are going forward with whatever the process is or the procedure or the problem solving. So it's we go, not ego. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about XYZ in my business, in my, you know, my career. It's about the students. So sorry, moms and dads and grown-ups, all the other grown-ups in the world. It's not about you. So get your ego out of the way. It's we go, not ego. I remember when I was a principal, I had a mad mama, right? You get some mad mamas in your office. And um, I listened. I listened so well. And when she was finished, I started talking and I said, well, I have some bad news for you. She was like, "Ugh." I said, yes, you're not my number one. You're not my number one priority. And she was furious. I said, if you'll let me finish, I'll explain. She said, well, go ahead. Can't wait to hear this. I said, okay, you are not number one. Your child is number one. And then she went, oh, I said, and your child's teacher is number two. And you are number three. I need you to be glad you're in my top five and calm down and let's solve this problem. And we did, we got it done, but she understood my priorities, right? So it's just a matter of communicating your priorities and why they're your priorities. But again, it wasn't about me. So it was, when it comes to teaming, it's we go, not ego. You know what? You said something really good there about communicating priorities. And I'm just, just to give a little tip that I learned from my athletic director, actually. I have a fantastic athletic director and something he taught me to handle situations like that with, with upset parents is you tell them to just wait a second. You realize that yes, they're mad but you understand that they're not mad at you or necessarily the situation. They're upset because they see their kid in pain or hurt or upset or feel like their kid's not getting the best that they can get because they're, they love their kid and they're there just because they love their child. And you can watch their shoulders go down and all that. But um, you know, you talked about communicating priorities. I think that's really important. I do want to ask you to go a little further on that, but first I just want to hear from our sponsors real quick. Okay. And we're back with Amy Matthews Perez. And uh, we just finished talking about 
the now I'm going to see if I can make it famous. We go not ego (laughs) (laughs) in um, making sure that everybody's on the same page and things like that. But that all came about as, or, or led into maybe um, the idea of communicating priorities and how important it is, whether you're dealing with parents, students, staff, that you're communicating the priorities that you have. And what I find with uh, especially your values and what you're passionate about, how do you go about communicating those priorities to bring everybody along that, that positive train or that learn everything all the time idea? Well, I like to have fun, Chris. I love to have fun. I love to be silly. Um, I love to pretend that I know how to rap. I just speak to a rhythm that rhyme, which I shared with you over that uh, break that we just had, that sponsor yeah. break. <laughs> I might ask you to share that after. That's, mm, that's, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see yeah. if I'm that brave. Um, <laughs> it'll be funny if my teachers listen from when I was a principal because they'll crack up. Um, but anyway, so, so when we talk about priorities, it's not just my priorities. I've got to get input from everybody because everybody has their own priority, right? And I can't just discount that. I want to hear about it. And then we layer it on, okay, everybody's priorities. Now let's talk about team, what's important for our team. And then what's important for our whole campus in your, in your situation where you're a principal or um, in my situation, what's important for the whole district. And then of course you have to remember that there are priorities that we don't choose. They're handed to us. You know, um, we have a state education agency that we answer to. So they give us priorities that we have to follow Right. So then you start to layer those priorities and see how do they all align with each other and how can we get them not in a straight line necessarily, but more like and I know people can't see me, but I'm going to show you the visual with my hands more of like an arrow of fingers that come together. And so they're going to overlap and intermingle, but they're all headed the same direction. So it's not first, second, third. It's, hey, all of this is important. Let's blend it and layer it and keep us going in the same direction where we're all, where we all want to be. So it's messy. That's the answer. There's a short answer. It's messy, but I will tell you, I'm not one of those leaders that says, um, you shall, you will, you must. I lead the messy way. Very messy. Let's talk about it. Let's process it. What do you think? I mean, I'm, I've even got to the point, Chris, honestly, when people ask me a question, I'm getting to the point to where my automatic response is, tell me what you think about that. Because I can't be the only one that has the answer because I'm not going to be here forever and I need to empower other people, not necessarily to have all the answers right there in their brain, but know how to figure it out and know where to go. And that's what I tell people. I don't have all the answers, but I know where to find them. (laughs) I know who to ask. And if I don't, I know how to make it up really, really well. I'm just joking. I don't ever make it up. Well, I might. No, I don't. Um, So I don't have all the answers, but I know who to talk to. I know where to find it and I will find it. I won't give up. I will find the answer that we need. Even if it's the answer we don't like, we ask a question, we accept the answer. You know, that's so important for leaders to to hear and understand. And that's even, you know, teachers, I consider teachers leaders in the classroom um, to do this with their students as well. The idea that we're in the position we're in, not to rule over people, but we're in the position or to know all the answers. We're in the position we're in because sometimes that offers us access to find where the answers are lying and, and who might have the answers or who can point us in the right direction. And exactly. I think, and, yeah. and I tell folks all the time, I need you to ask me a question. If you have it, I need you to ask me, not because you're going to look incompetent, 
But when you ask me, it's a learning opportunity for me. So please ask me every question. I would rather you ask me the same question 15 times than guess once. Because if you guess and you're wrong, then we're learning and it's not in the best of contexts and nobody wants that. So just ask the question because my short-term memory isn't awesome. I probably forgot what I told you last time. So ask me again, it's fine. Let's learn together. It's funny that you said that because I had a wrestling coach that said that gave us a hard time when we said practice makes perfect. Say we're practicing a move over and over again. He said, no, 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 no. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Whatever you're practicing, you are learning. So you better make sure you're doing it right. That's right. I was never in sports. Well, I did play basketball for two years, but I made one basket and I cried. I was so excited. So I had to call timeout and get me off the court um, in junior high. So I don't have any, any natural gift, but I'll try. If you haven't gotten that message from me, I will try. I will try anything once as long as it's not illegal. Um, but yes, I agree. Practice does not equal perfect. Practice equals progress because right. there is no perfect. Right. Because once you think you've learned it all, that's when you need to realize, oh my gosh, there's so much more to learn. So practice equals progress in, in my Amy brain. There you go. And I really liked, I really liked what you had said about all those different those priorities that we don't always get to set ourselves and the different layers and how they go together. One of the ways that I found works with that is if you pull out themes as well, by working on one, you're working on another one. And it's not because they're vertically lined or anything like that. It's just that they happen to be close to each other. And by solving one, you might start to untie the knot of the other one. I um, I completely agree. You know, we're, we're, uh, we've been talking a while and we're getting to the end of the podcast. And I ask everybody that comes on the podcast, two questions. Okay. The first one, if you were not an education or educator, who, not what would you be? This is a hard question for me, Chris, because, you know, I'm a language nerd. I'm a word nerd. So I was thinking who to what, who versus what, what versus who? And I got way too deep, but I will not bore you with that. So I will answer your question as asked. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I would be a person that doesn't actually exist. I would be Lucille Harvey. I would be Lucille Ball plus Steve Harvey combined into one person. That's who I would be. Does that answer your question? I think that does answer my question, especially for anybody that likes Lucille Ball or Steve Harvey. Now, I have to tell you, my wife is a huge Lucille Ball uh, fan. We actually went and saw her statue in New York, where she's from. Wow. She loves Lucille Ball. I'm not that big of a fan. Um, I love her life story. I think her life story is fantastic. Right. But I'm a huge Steve Harvey fan, and my wife likes Steve Harvey too. So I, I, um, that, yeah, that answers it for me. I don't know if it answers it for everybody else, <laughs> but I do this podcast so I can learn and other people can learn stuff from people. So I, that definitely helps me out. <laughs> great, great. The next question I have is, you know, we we've talked a lot about, you know, just recently we talked about the um, communicating priorities. We talked about your cycle of making people part of the larger picture or feels if they're large part of the larger picture. What though is the most important or most valuable piece of advice you want leaders to have as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they lead? Well, you'll be shocked to know it's twofold, right? Because I talk a lot, right? Not so shocked. Okay, good. <laughs> then you're then you're getting to know me. The first thing would be to remember that you are not your job. You are a whole person. You are not your job. So develop yourself as a whole person, a leader is a role that you have, right? An educator is a role that we have, a facilitator. But 
develop yourself as a whole person. Find things that make you happy. Find things that bring you joy. Go outside your comfort box and develop yourself as a whole person. Do not limit what your contributions to this world are. Don't limit those to the funnel of education through the lens of education. Develop yourself as a whole person. Then you're going to influence more people than you even realize because you're focusing on yourself sometimes and you're modeling that. So that would be my first thing. Develop yourself and remember that you're a whole person. You're not your job. And then the second thing, which is really, again, one of my passions, so it's going to be kind of a broken record. Do the work to find the value that every single person contributes. Whether you're a big fish in a small pond, a small fish in a big pond, swim until you know every single fish in that pond and find out what their contributions are to the big picture and use and value those contributions. Everyone has value and it's our job to find it, highlight it, use it, and let that be some of the puzzle pieces that solve the problems And even if it's not solving a problem, Chris, use all those puzzle pieces to make the world a better place. So find value and develop yourself as a whole person. Mic drop. (laughs) That was a fantastic (laughs) answer. That's excellent. You know, Amy, I've had a great time talking with you today. I think you've you've given a ton of value to people and a lot of takeaways that they have. If, If people want to reach out to you and get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, Twitter is probably the best way to do that. And I'm going to have to um, give you my handle, but I got to look it up first because I always say it backwards. And you're going to be shocked to know you're not because now you know me. That's what you said. Um, it rhymes. My, uh, I'm Dr. Grow to Know. At Dr. Grow to Know. Because I realize I've got to grow to know more. And it's just back to another cycle. So at Twitter is the best way to reach me. You can also email me if you'd like at talkalotamy at yahoo.com. That's fine too. But I would be happy to reach out and chat with anybody that's interested in learning more or collaborating or whatever we want to do. Just reach out. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you again very much. I know I've learned a ton. I'm sure people are going to learn a lot when they tune into this. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chris. You're, you're changing the landscape of education and I appreciate that I can be a part of that journey. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. 
Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E.